Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey guys, I'm going to get into another episode on when the scriptures become real. It's going to podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can, as we continue to serve our Lord. Again, you guys can find the podcast on YouTube and anywhere else you can get your podcast. We are so thankful you guys are here. And that you guys are with us today. So today's kind of a sad day. Um, not sad as in like the podcast is going to stop because we've got way more stuff to cover. Uh, but it's kind of sad that we're ending this Ruth and Boaz series up to this point. This has been, I'm just letting you guys know. And, and please, even after this, please continue to, to do what you guys have been doing. But the engagement, the the conversation, the appreciation, the the messages, the calls, all those things that have happened because of this series. I'm extremely thankful uh, for you guys and what you guys are doing. Um, it, it's so great that we've all of us together and and you can kind of tell all of us were on this journey with them together. All of us have kind of immersed ourselves into chapter one and the background and just walking through and seeing things from everybody's point of view and seeing how they could feel and what's going on. It's just been such a great study. So I just want to tell you guys, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And please, even with this, if you haven't gone back and listened to everything else up to this point, please go back and listen and you can join this journey on with us. And please reach out too. That'd be great. You know, there's a prequel. You'll see that. The prequel's entitled, uh, Does Anybody Care About My Cup? And then after that podcast, you'll see parts one through five. And so you can catch up to us as we start part six today. So I'm excited to get in with you guys and really hone in on this last part of this Boaz and Ruth series. So this is Boaz and Ruth part six. And just like we teased in the last one, we're going to name this one the end game. Boaz and Ruth part six, the end game. Now, we we didn't name this just because of the great Marvel movie, right? I'm a I'm a big Marvel fan, so that that had some influence on there. I'm not gonna lie, but I think another reason why we're calling it the End Game is because I didn't necessarily want to end the book in chapter five. With the genealogy up to David is incredible. That's great information for us to know, and that leads into what First Samuel is going to talk about moving forward. But I wanted to really spend one entire podcast kind of covering some principles, covering some application just for us, right? I, and we did that all throughout the podcast, but I wanted to dedicate one specifically to it. And I think it'll be a good kind of bow and close on this study um, as we looked at this together. And so what we're going to do moving forward, again, we're going to make some references here to some things in, in the book and even outside of Ruth. So again, you know, if you're listening, if you're walking, if you got your Bible with you, definitely check this out because I've had some notes on this and there's kind of some, some smaller charts here too, that we're going to go through. Um, but as we, as we go through this, I want you guys just to really hone in on the principles and the application that we have. All right. So we're going to break this up into two parts as we conversate. So it's not going to be two podcasts, but we're breaking we're breaking this one podcast up into two parts. So the first part, what we're going to look at is principles from each character. 
there's some things that I want you to see, and that there's some things that I think the Bible wants us to see to help us see their growth from basically point A to point B. So that's going to be part one. Then part two of this one is going to be some principles and application for us from the book itself. So I think we'll be able to tie both of these things in together um, as we conversate. So let, let's get started and let's jump in. So um, I have this written on a piece of paper. So if you're taking notes, this is going to be something pretty cool for you to write down. So if you just write, you know, on a whiteboard, on a piece of paper, on a notebook, if you write Naomi, then Ruth, and then Boaz, kind of one, two, three on your on your piece of paper. And I want to look starting at Naomi as we kind of studied this book from chapter one to chapter four. I want you to remember, remember in chapter one, Naomi said she was bitter. She said the Lord was against her. She said that basically I have no hope. Remember she said in chapter one, even if I could have children, even if I could, what are you guys going to do? Wait till they get older. So she had become so bitter up to this point that she felt like there's nothing I can do. Right. So I want you to see the transition and the change that Naomi had. So what's her solution? A woman that's bitter, a woman that the Lord is against her, a woman that feels like she has no hope. What's her solution in that situation? Here, here's a here's the application from Naomi. The solution from her situation was she served Ruth and then God served her. OK, I don't want you to miss that. She served Ruth, and then God served her. I want you to keep that that word served in mind because that's going to matter as we keep going through this. But I want you to kind of think about yourselves and think about you and I as we as we really conversate and think about this. Many, many times when we find ourselves in, in such a in such a position where we feel bitter, where we feel like there's no hope, nothing's working, nothing's necessarily working out for you. In that moment, all those things happen for you to internalize it and really not do anything. But from Naomi's perspective, what she did, notice the little things that Naomi would say. She said, I want you to find rest. Remember that? She says, I want you to be well. I want things to be well with you. So what's the solution from Naomi's perspective? The solution was, let me go serve Ruth. And then God ultimately served her. So then you think about Ruth. So let's go over to her on, the, on our piece of paper here as we're getting started. Ruth, she had no husband. She wasn't a Jew because remember, she was coming back from Moab to Bethlehem. So she wasn't a Jew. She was a, Mo, she was a Moabite woman. And then she had no hope. So what is, like we said before, it's not like she was wishing to have a husband She's like, man, I just don't have any hope, but I know I'm gonna follow. I know I'm gonna follow Naomi. So now, what's her solution? I want you to notice how similar these are. Ruth served Naomi, and then God served her. Isn't that interesting? Between those two women, there, how easily would it have been for Naomi to look at what's not there for her? And since it wasn't there for her, well, I'm just not gonna serve. Well, I'm just not gonna have a good attitude. Well, I'm just not going to do things right because nobody's here for me and somebody should be here for me. You see, that's our solution for things. Naomi's solution was she understood the facts. No one was there for her other than Ruth, which was amazing. But she said, the one person that is here for me, instead of complaining what I should have, I'm going to serve the one person God gave me. 
a lot of times, guys, what all of us can do, we can get to a point where we think, man, something should be here for me. Something should be there. I mean, I feel like I need this. I need this friend. I need this mentor. I need this person in my life. And you really want those things, which are good things to have. But when those things are presented for you in the time that you want them presented, even if you literally been looking for them, what we can do is we can internalize those things and we can get angry that we don't have it. But I guarantee that right now for me and for you right now, there is somebody there that is waiting for you to help them. There's somebody there. So what can you do? Well, we could sit and do nothing. Or from Naomi's perspective, I could serve Ruth. And then from Ruth's perspective, I can serve Naomi. Then now let's look at Boaz. So on your sheet of paper, write down Boaz number three. What was his situation? Boaz had no wife. Now, remember, we looked at this. We looked at potentially if he was married before. Then we looked at the situation if he just never had been married. Either way, if he lost his wife, man, that's a bad situation. If he never had a wife, he's he's an older man, so he's never known what it was like to love somebody. So either way, he didn't have a wife. Then number two, he was an older man. Then number three, what was his hope? Where's his hope that something would happen? So what was Boaz's solution? Boaz served Ruth and Naomi, and then God served him. Isn't it interesting? I love that word served. Okay, this is why we're breaking this down and we're going slow as we talk about this. I love the word served because notice, we always want God to help us and to give us something and to provide us something. But when you think about those words, give, provide, all those things, that's very, it can turn prideful. Even though the words are great, it can turn very prideful. But notice the word God served them. So the only way that God served them is when they were doing what they wanted God to do. And maybe right now things haven't necessarily happened for you. Things necessarily haven't worked for you because you really got to sit down and you really got to think, who who am I constantly serving? It's one thing to be around to help. It's one thing to give somebody a hug. It's one thing to give somebody an occasional phone call. It's one thing to occasionally see somebody on a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night service. That's one thing, but sometimes we'll categorize that as, well, I'm serving when you're serving, who are you, who are you giving knowledge to? Who are you constantly praying for? Who are you constantly maybe studying with or having conversations with? Who are you doing that for? Naomi did that for Ruth. That was a constant. Ruth was doing that for Naomi. That was a constant. Boaz was doing it for Naomi and Ruth. That's a constant. But I think what we do sometimes is we serve people in pockets, and then when we don't get what we want from people, then we get mad, and then we use our service almost as a scapegoat to people. Well, I did do this for you. Remember that one time? Remember I was there? Remember I did this? You see, we can't serve people in pockets and then expect God to serve us in prosperity. It's just It just doesn't work. So notice Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz did they just serve each other when they got what they wanted? 
they served each other because it was the right thing to do. And it was godly. And it was a merciful heart. And it was compassionate. And it was empathetic. And it was consistent. And so when God saw that even though Naomi's situation was terrible, would you look at her? She's still serving. When God saw that Ruth's situation was terrible, look at her. She's still serving. When she saw that, when God saw that Boaz's situation wasn't ideal for the older man in that culture, look at what he's still doing. He's still serving. So when you can serve in those capacities, then guess who was ready and willing to serve you? So now, why is that important? Why is the service exchange important? Because when God serves you, number one, what you'll do when he serves you, you will appreciate it more. Why? Because you understand the work. You understand the, and the, um, the intention that it takes to serve somebody constantly. You understand that. So when God serves you, you will accept that blessing so much higher because you understand what it's like to intentionally serve someone else, to intentionally think beyond yourself, to intentionally give of yourself, and then God will keep intentionally doing that for you. You see, that's why service is so important. And sometimes we can uh, we can look at service as almost like it's almost like a good Christian option to do. Well, if you just have the opportunity, yeah, you can do it. Well, if you feel like it, you can do it. Well, if you like them you can do it. Well, if you want to do it that day, you can do it. We kind of we kind of have that. We have service sometimes as like a little asterisk for us in our Christian lives. This is necessary because if we want God to help to serve, to guide, to do those things for us, why would he give it to us if we're not doing what he what he's doing? We have to constantly be in a mode of service. Now, what what is the mode of service? As we talk about that, in this context, what were they doing? They were serving each other and literally just helping. It's a beautiful thing to do. Now, on that piece of paper, you have Naomi written down. Great. You have Ruth written down. Great. You have Boaz written down. Great. You have their solutions written down. Great. Now, here's where I, here's why the end game is so important, and here's why we had to set this up. On a sheet of paper, right next to those three people, I want you to write your name or think about it if you don't have a piece of paper. Write your name or think about your name. And then just like we said under the Naomi and Ruth and Boaz bracket, when we said that maybe they were bitter, maybe they had no hope, maybe the Lord was against them, maybe they weren't a Jew, I want you to write specific things or think about specific things for you. It could be possible. Now, this is interchangeable, but let's just make one up right now. It could be possible. Put your name there. That underneath your name, you might be older, you may be widowed, you may be separated, and that's possible. It could also be possible that you have no hope. It could be possible that you feel the Lord is against you. It could be possible that you feel like you have no guide, you have no friend, you have no mentor. That could be very possible. But no matter what you put on that list, as many things as you can write down on that list, honestly, when you put the solution to those things that you write down on your list, guess what your solution's going to be? Your solution's going to be the exact same as Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. 
So then write down or think about it. But when you have time, write down all those things that you feel that the Lord is against you, all the tough things, write all that down. And then you write down, what is my solution? Jordan will serve. Put your name there, will serve. So then when you serve, then just like Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz, then guess who will help to serve you? Our Lord. You see, you see how well, you see why that's important. This is why I wanted to go through this and give this some time because service is so huge in this book. And each person, Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz, this wasn't something that they did to get something out of someone else. This is something that they did out of their heart and their love for God. Did Naomi serve Ruth to get something out of her? What could she get? Nothing. Did Ruth serve to get something out of Naomi? What could she get in the deal? Nothing. Did Boaz serve Ruth and Naomi so he could get something out of the deal? No. Why are you serving? Why are you serving? And so as we serve, yes, it's great when the Lord provides you stuff. Yes, it's great when the Lord gives you stuff. Yes, it's great when the Lord provides a level of peace. And we're going to get into that later. It's great that he does that. But why are you serving God right now? It should be just for the sole reason that I love him. That's the only reason. And so Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz, and hopefully you and I, as we as we look at the end game, you understand the necessity of us doing our part to serve, so then God will do his to serve as well. Okay? So that's kind of part one. I wanted you guys to write that down because I think that's kind of good application for us as we as we go through this but now this second part now the second part we're going to get into more application here okay so we, we had to build that foundation and take some time to set that up in our conversation so we can build up this part two here so here's the part two application for us and this is probably something really good for you to write down and just just to let you know it, it took me a little bit to get these things too so it you may have to listen to this part two or three times because it takes some time to chew on this. It takes some time to meditate on this and it takes some time to, uh, to pray through this. This is, this is a lot of stuff here. Okay. So here's the first application that I see from the end game from Ruth and Boaz. Here's number one with God, never say I will never. Okay. With God, Never say, I will never. Now, here's why, we, here's why we say this. Right now, I guarantee you're literally doing something right now that you said five, ten years ago that you wouldn't do. But guess what you're doing? You're doing it right now. The same thing with me, with preaching. I, I wasn't expecting to preach. I wasn't expecting to do a podcast. I wasn't expecting to do all these things. So if you would have asked me probably three years ago, four years ago, if you would have asked me, hey, you're, you're, you're doing this right now, I would have told you you're crazy. No, I'll never do that. I don't want to talk that long. I don't want to, I don't, I don't like to do all that. I, I don't want to do it. With God, never say I will never. So with, think about that list, that chart that we built, right, to get our foundation with Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. When, when even Naomi, when she said, man, I'm bitter, the Lord's against me, I have no hope, even when Boaz and Ruth, when they said what they said, at some point, do you think it crossed their minds 
especially from Ruth's perspective. Yeah, I'm not going to get married again. I just don't want to do it. I've tried. I, I'll never do it. Think about Boaz's perspective. I'm older now. If she was going to come, she would have come before. I just don't see a way. I just don't see an avenue. I'll never. I'll never. It'll never happen for me. Then think about Naomi's perspective. I'm older. I lost my two sons. I lost my husband. I can never get them back. I'm thankful to have Ruth, but I will never feel the way that I felt again. I will never feel joy again. I will never feel that elation again. I'll never. It's very possible that they could have thought those things. And right now, for you and I, as we conversate, it's very possible that you feel those things too. I'll never. I will never do this. Here's what's interesting. I, I want you to look at this. This is, I love this, this verse here, but Proverbs chapter three, again, we could quote this, but I want you guys to see this for yourself. Proverbs chapter three, verses three through five. Here's why we should never say never with the Lord. Proverbs chapter three, uh, we'll look at like verses like five through six. Um, but notice what he says here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So what was Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz's own understanding at one point? I will never. It's not going to happen. I'm not even focused on that. I don't even want to think about that. I'm not even trying to pursue that. I, don't, I didn't even know I needed that. So guess what? That's their understanding. That's your understanding right now. But here's what's, here's what's so great about Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. Like we said before in the previous podcast, they felt those emotions but they weren't led by it, number one. And then number two, they didn't lean on it. But what we do, because things have happened, because things have worked out wrong, because something hasn't happened, we will feel that feeling like they felt. But then what we'll do, we'll lean on that. Oh, that's truth. This is it. I know because this has happened, it will never happen. It should have happened. All these things, right? So now they didn't lean on their own understanding. They felt what they wanted to feel. And you should feel what you want to feel too. But don't lean on it. So that that's important. And then verse, verse 6. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Isn't it interesting that remember Naomi? She heard that there was bread in the house of bread now. So when she felt the way that she felt, what did, what did Naomi start doing again? Acknowledging God. What about Ruth? When she heard about the God of Naomi, she began to acknowledge him. What about, what about Boaz? When Boaz saw his workers in the field and when he saw Ruth, what did they say to Boaz? The Lord be with you. What was Boaz doing? Acknowledging God. You see, here's here's one thing, guys, that, um, again, I'm learning ING. I'm learning this, too. I know our situations can be different, and there's times where your situation can feel. Have you ever seen, um, well, for you new age people, but have you ever seen, like, headphones when you would keep them in your pocket or earbuds when you keep them in your pocket, the ones with the cord, and you keep them in your pocket all day? And then when you take it out, want to listen to music, it's just a ball. And it takes you literally 15 minutes to just unravel that. Maybe you've seen like a big piece of yarn and you've seen it just totally 
confused and you you try to unravel that thing just so you can get it straight to do what you want to do. Sometimes that's how we feel like our life has been up to this point. And sometimes that's how we'll present it to God. Like it's this is too much. It can't unravel. This can't work. But notice Naomi, Boaz, and Ruth, going back to that list that we wrote, as bad and as tangled up and as crazy and as as tight as things got for them, all three of them, they acknowledge God. And one thing that you and I have to do as we serve people in, in good situations and bad, God must be acknowledged. And if we acknowledge him, in those times, what does Proverbs say that he'll do? Verse six, then he will direct. So the moment that Naomi said, I'm going back to the house of bread, the moment she said that, what did God start doing? Then she directed Ruth closer to her. Then God directed Boaz closer to both of them. Then God directed all three of them to become a family. You see how God started directing when one woman began to acknowledge that I need to go back. Right now for you, you may be a Christian that you've known God before. You may be listening, you may be driving, you may be working out, whatever it is, you've known him before. But you've kind of left, you kind of did your own thing, you kind of tested things, you kind of done what you wanted to do. You know, what you need to do, just like Naomi did, notice how Everything changed because one woman decided to acknowledge, I need to go back. And I know that for you guys right now that are struggling, that are going through some stuff, I know for a fact that you want things to change. I know for a fact you do, and I may not even know you. But the but the only way for anything to change and for God to start acting is maybe you need to leave where you are, your Moab, And you need to go back to the house of bread. You need to go back to the house of bread. And you need to acknowledge who God is. And then what did God start doing? Then God started directing. He started directing. So I think think that's very interesting. And, And here's one more thing with that one. With God, I will never say never. Why do we say that? I, I really wanted to think about that. Sometimes we got to take some time to think about these phrases that we say. Why do we say, I will never do such and such? I will never do such and such. I'll never do this again. I, I can never be, I can never do that, right? Why do we say stuff like that? And here's the reason why I think we say things like that. Because our knowledge at the time is limited. And our growth at the time is limited. And our maturity at the time is limited. So think about Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. Their knowledge of each other was limited at the time. Their maturity level was limited at the time. Their growth level was limited at the time. So if you would have told each one, hey, Ruth, by the way, when you go back to Moab, I know I know these aren't your people. I know you look different. I know you're not even part of their culture, but you're going to get married to somebody there, and that's going to be the greatest thing that's ever going to happen to you. What do you think she probably would have said? Ah, I just can't see it. You ever say something like that? I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Notice notice what you're saying. I don't see it. Who said you're supposed to see it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Who says you're supposed to see it? I just don't see it. And I get that phrase. Like I, I understand it. Trust me, I get it. I just don't see it happening. 
Uh, if it would have happened, it would have happened before, right? Think about Naomi's situation. Hey, look, I know you've lost everything. I know you lost your husband. I know you've lost your two boys. I know everything has been terrible for you, but you know you're going to get a new family and your joy is going to be rejuvenated. Uh, nope, I don't. Why could they say that? Because their knowledge was limited. That's why Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Even when I can't see it, even when I don't think there's a way, even when in my own heart, and I just might be vocal with it with people, I might say, I will never do this. I'll never do that again. It's very possible. But guess what? Guess what that phrase is just alluding. Guess what that phrase is just, it's oozing out of your heart. That phrase is oozing that you're leaning on your own understanding right now. I just don't see it. So from this perspective, as we look at the end game with Boaz and Ruth, with God, as you and I kind of journey through this life, guys, never say, I will never with him. Never say, I will never with him. Now, here's, here's, here's part two. With God, number two, keep your heart open. This is big. This is big. With God, keep your heart open. You guys ever see a, I, I don't even know, like I'm not even, I'm not like a, I'm not like a botanist, but you ever seen those videos? Remember in school when we used to watch, uh, what was that show that we had to watch in like science classes? Uh, it was like, it was like animal planet or like nature planet, whatever it was, but you would see like the, how like a plant would bloom and it would go really, really, really fast. And then you would also see how it would die and you would see it really, really fast. Sometimes the imagery of plants is so big in Ruth. And you see a certain plant withered, completely closed off. I mean, those plants, that I mean, they're so tightly balled up that they'll never open up again. And that might be you and I at the beginning of Ruth and at the end of this study. Because of what people have done and because of what people have said or not done for you or said they would do and then they didn't do it, whatever you want to put in that blank, the Lord views us as kind of like that plant. At one point, you were optimistic. At one point, you believed the Lord could do things. At one point, you believed that God could, you were just so happy to, 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 to present the word. You were so happy to be a Christian. You were just so happy to, to help people. But then time elapsed. And as time elapsed, and as you met more people, and as you went through more stuff, and as people said what they wanted to say, and as people have come and gone, what you've done is you've closed up your heart. And your heart is so hard and it's so and it, and it's so it's so callous now that the only thing that you do is you find things now. You literally sit and find things to complain about. You find things to complain about now. And so with with God and I love this about Ruth, Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. I love the, the, the explicit description of how all three of them being different ages. I love how it told us how they felt, but it never, ever indicated as, as literally as bad as things got. It never indicated the heart was closed. But for you and I, your heart is 
may have been closed. And let's make it personal. As we know, the church is such a wonderful institution. It is what God has created. But the church is made of people. And I will be the first person to raise my hand that I'm not a perfect person. I haven't always been there for people when I needed to be. I haven't always been the greatest example. I didn't always do things correctly. The church is made of people. And so what we can do, guys, is sometimes what we can do because of what the church has done to us, what church people have said, what they didn't do, what they said they would do, what they, all those things, it can make your heart so hard and it can make it so callous and it can make it almost like stone clay that you can't even see God anymore. You still worship. You still come to worship, but you always find something. You're always angry, always looking for something. Why? Because you don't want what happened before to happen again. So now you don't want you don't want to open your heart up. But Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz, the Lord opened their hearts to something totally new. It's it's a wonderful thing that the Lord opened up the heart. Again, remember even in Jeremiah chapter 17, who can know the heart? Who can who can understand the heart? But God knows the heart. So on the one hand, just like that, uh, just like the how that plant can elapse from being alive to being dead. On the one hand, it's a, it's a scary thing to have your heart closed off. But on the other hand, it's an exciting thing that the Lord can open your heart again. Now, here's what's interesting. And again, this is going to have to take some introspective looking. You have to look at you, nobody else. You're going to have to look at you on this. And this is why I said you may have to listen to this part two or three times to really, really get this. Could it be possible that the reason why your heart is closed, you use people as a smokescreen, but really the reason why your heart is closed is because you leaned on your understanding about them. You leaned on your understanding about things. And you didn't let God help you. But here's what's interesting. So now you don't trust people. Now you keep yourself on an island. Now you barely talk to anybody. And even the ones you do talk to, you find something to complain about. It's very possible that if that's if that's your state right now, it's very possible that what the Lord has to do in order to open your heart again, he may have to reintroduce you to people. He may have to direct Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6. He may have to direct different people in your life to open you back up. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a I don't want to be a person to always just find something to get mad about. To always just look at everybody as like they're not doing this, they'll never do this, they'll never be. Why why live like that? And to be honest, that type of heart, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 through 9, that type of heart isn't even from God. It's not. But we'll justify it because, well, I just felt I, I feel this way. It doesn't matter how you feel when it comes to that. It matters is you have to do the work to transform your own heart. And it takes it takes some it takes some work to transform that, especially knowing what what we as people are capable of. It takes some 
It takes a different type of heart to still change, to still open up, to still serve, to still give. Even after what's been done. Well, I don't know if I can do that. Jesus told you to. So if you said you love him, then you would change. So either we will find ourselves in a situation where we're going to continue to justify why I'll never open up my heart to service and giving, and I'll never really be there for people because they just do this anyway. You can stay there, and you'll stay there for a long time too. Or you can understand that people are capable of that. You're not naive. People are capable of that. But you can also understand this is what God called me to do, Matthew chapter 5. He called me to this. He called us to be salt like that. And so Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz, their hearts were open. And you got to keep yours open. So that's how we don't lean on our own understanding. Does that make sense so far? This is why I said you may have to take some time when you listen to these things. You, and you might be mad listening to this, which is probably good, which I'm glad you are, because that means you're thinking. That means you're thinking. So maybe you need some time to pause, to think. Maybe I have been this person. Maybe I have changed. Maybe I have lived in this bitterness. Maybe I am just looking at people's faults all the time. Maybe I am that guy. Maybe I am that person. Guess what? That's a sign. It may be time to switch it up and let the Lord direct your path again. It may be time. It may be time. So here, here's here's the third principle, third lesson that I've seen through this text. Now, this is a big one, too, guys. This is, you may need to, I had to for this one. You may need to listen to this part a couple times, too. Here's the third one. So the first one was, with God, I will never say never. Two, with God, keep your heart open. And then number three, here's a big one. Again, comparing these three things to the list that we made in, in part one, as we began the podcast, number three, God's plan always looks beyond. Okay. God's plan always looks beyond. Now let's set this up as, as believers and as Christian people, Everywhere that you go, whether it's on TikTok, whether it's in, in service, whether you meet another Christian, whether it's whatever it is, all of us say and all of us pray and all of us preach, Lord, use us. Lord, guide us. Lord, help us. We all say that, and that's a beautiful prayer to pray. Beautiful prayer to, play, to pray. But here's what I think we really mean when we say that. Lord, use us. Lord, guide us. Lord, help us, but do it in my parameters. Do it in my comfortability. Do it how I have planned it in my mind. Do it in my way. God's plan always looks beyond. So think about this. You have a Moabite woman, which again, we have to understand the culture. This was detestable. I want, and I want to use that word. It was detestable to be next to a Moabite woman or man, child, child too. It was detestable to even be associated with a person like that. That's what the world believed. You should never, ever be associated with them. Why? Because remember, and I forgot to mention this before, but I'll throw this in. Here's what's interesting. Moab, the entire nation 
was built off incest. Remember Lot's daughters? So as that happened, not not Lot's daughters, uh, Noah's daughters, right? So remember, as that happens, the nation of Moab was literally built on incest, which now, as you think about it, it was detestable to even be with anybody that was of that descent. So now think about this. As we look at this, when you think, well, you know what, as, as we look at this, man, who, who's going to be with a Moabite person? Who, who's going to be with a person of Moab? Who, who, who's going to do all these things? So now think about how detestable it was with Noah's, with Noah's daughters to be a part of Moab. Let me make sure, because I want to make sure I got the right reference there um, about Moab, because that's so, I forgot to mention that. I forgot to mention that before. I think it was in part two, because um, that's such good, that's such good information. Um, yeah, it was, it was. It was Noah, Noah's daughters. So now, because remember they got hit, that's what it was. That's what it was. I want to make sure. Yeah, that's what it was. So remember, um, oh no, wait a second. It was Lot. I was right. I was right. I said I second guessed myself. Um, it was Lot's daughters. That's right. It was Lot's daughters. You see, that's why you gotta make sure and study. So remember when Lot's daughters they got him, uh, they got him to sleep with him because they got him drunk. So Moab came from incest. So now to be with a Moabite person, nah, nah, this is not going to happen. This is, this is not going to happen. So God's plan always looks beyond. You have a Moabite person, someone that all of us should detest, right? Someone all of us should literally hate and seethe with such fire and hatred in our hearts with a Jew. That's supposed to happen, is it? But guess what? God's plan always looks beyond. It always looks beyond. And here's what's interesting. What happens when we can't look beyond today? What, what happens when we can't look beyond? Here's, the, here's the, the one and only thing that will happen. Our answer will always be from a world point of view. So you will explain. So now think about this. How would a Moabite person, well, let's, let's take it to a Jewish person. How would a Jewish person, Jewish person explain why you shouldn't be with somebody from Moab? You understand how evil they are? You understand what they did? You understand how their nation started? You understand how they, how they fought against the children of Israel and you want to be with one of them? Your answer will always be worldly. And what we do, I'm not saying that there's not wisdom because a Jewish person is probably wise to tell people about Moab. It was probably wise because remember, we looked at how they worship Chemosh, how they sacrifice children, how they did all these things. So is it is it not wise to look at that? It is wise. Is it wise to understand the history of Moab? It is wise. But is everybody from Moab evil? So are we going to throw Ruth in there? You see, what we do we take the whole and we apply the whole for everybody when the whole is not everybody. So now when you look at this, 
what what Ruth and Boaz did and what they continue to do is they exercise faith. What if God's plan is uncomfortable? What if God's plan looks different? Where's where's our faith that we say that we have? Lord, use me, right? Lord, guide me, right? Lord, help us, right? But it's got to be how we want it done. It's got to it's it's got to it's got to look Jewish. It's got to look Jewish. It's got to look Moabitish in order for us to be used by you. God's plan always looks beyond. Now, here's why this is important. <clears throat> this is so cool. Here's why this is important. Remember we looked at, what was it, last week? Remember we looked at how Boaz bought Ruth, right, and how he redeemed her? When Boaz popped that seal, what Boaz did in front of everybody Boaz was showing everybody, I'm looking beyond of who she is. I'm looking beyond it. And here's the great thing. Boaz did what Jesus did or what Jesus was going to do. Gentiles don't belong with us. We hate them. Jesus said, I'm looking beyond what you're looking at. You know, there's so many examples in Scripture. If we're going to be men and women of faith, even though there are true world facts about things, we can't be afraid to look beyond. Okay? We can't be afraid to look beyond. Jesus did. Boaz did. Naomi did. Ruth did. How can we can't? How can we can't? Well, it's too hard. I thought faith was... Faith is not supposed to be hard. But I mean, faith is supposed to be hard. Well, it's going to be difficult. The Christian life is already difficult. Where's our Where's our faith? Now, we're not saying this just for the sake of being different. I don't think Ruth and Boaz got together just for the sake of being different. But Boaz saw something, and I'm sure they prayed on it, and I'm sure they did those things, as you and I should for everything. You see, Ruth and Boaz's relationship, you know, we can read the end of chapter four and we can see, oh, well, they had a baby. They got together. David came through their line. It was just all, you know, sunshine and rainbows from that point when they got together. Remember, it was still detestable to be with a Moabite woman. It was detestable still. So the text doesn't indicate, but we can just base, we can just go off the culture. Boaz and Ruth may have had some issues. Not between them, but between others. They may have had some issues. They may have had some problems. They still may have had people mad that they were together. But the worldview at the time was a Jew and a Moabite can't be together. But God's plan, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, this is what I want. You know, um, there's songs that we sing and there's things that we say where, Lord, I just want what you want. I just want what you want for me. Right. And again, these are phrases that again are beautiful and they sound really nice, but what God may want for you may be so different. What God may want for you may cause uncomfortability. It may cause pain. You, you may have to stand out. 
But if this is what the Lord wants, this is why it's important for us to have his eyes. And sometimes to look beyond, that takes a different level of faith to look beyond. Because guess what? To look beyond is not comfortable. It's not comfortable to look beyond. How do you know that? I want you to look at this last last example. Look at, uh, ooh, where is that? Numbers, that's what it is. Numbers uh, 16. I want you to look at this. Number 16. And this is our kind of final application. I think this is going to be really good. Number 16, or 13, I'm sorry. Numbers 13. So remember when Joshua or when Moses sent out the 12 spies. Moses sends out 12 spies to go see, can we take the land? 10 spies come back, verses 26 through basically 33. 10 spies come back and say, no, we can't do it. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. We can't do it. Um, we, we can't go up against them. We can't win. And then guess what those other 10 did? They went to everybody else in Israel, convincing them that they couldn't do it either. Isn't it interesting how when you can't look beyond, you have to convince everybody why you can't look beyond? You see, that's a sign of a lack of faith. You have to convince everybody you can't look beyond. So these 10 didn't just stay with themselves, did they? They told the whole congregation, let me tell you all why we can't do it. We can't look beyond this. This is too much. But then Joshua and Caleb were the only two which it's always a minority. It always is. Joshua and Caleb were the only ones that said, don't rebel against the Lord, verse 9. They are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them. Watch Watch what they say. The Lord is with us. You see, those that look beyond, they're not naive. Okay, and I think that's that's a misconception. Those that are looking beyond, well, you're just not looking at the facts. No, they understand the facts. They listen. They understand. They see what's going on. They're not dumb. They understand. But those that look beyond, they don't just stay with that. They see the facts. They understand the difficulty. They understand how hard it might be. But guess what else those that look beyond understand? Yeah, this might not supposed to happen compared to what the world says but the Lord is with me and I have faith that he is. You see, that's the difference between those that look beyond those that look beyond are naive and they don't understand things. They understand them. They understand them. But those that look beyond understand things and as hard as they are, they still say with God, it's going to happen. Those that don't look beyond just stay with the world facts. And they just stay, and that's their world, how the world thinks about it. And they just stay there, and they live in fear. And anybody that wants to do anything beyond that, then what do they do like the other 10? They rebel. You can't do it. You won't do it. It's going to be too hard. And you may go as far as to say the Lord's not even going to bless that. You see you see why it's so hard to look beyond None of this stuff in Ruth would have happened if Boaz doesn't look beyond Ruth. None of this stuff would have happened if Ruth didn't look beyond Boaz. None of this stuff would have happened if Naomi wouldn't have looked beyond Ruth. Maybe some things aren't happening. Maybe things seem stale. 
Maybe see, maybe things seem the same. Maybe things seem like they're the same struggle all the time. Why? Because maybe we're too afraid to look beyond. And maybe we don't have the faith that we say we want and we say we have. Ruth is a book of faith and Ruth is a book of looking beyond. When you have the eyes of faith, guys, it doesn't mean that things won't happen. It doesn't mean that struggles won't happen. It doesn't mean adversity won't happen. All of it is going to happen. But the only difference between us and everybody else is that we have the Lord. Do we really believe that? If we say we have the Lord, we won't sound as fearful as we sound. We have God. Come on now. You know what I mean? Like we have God. We have him. It takes a special group of people to look beyond. So let's exercise our faith. This this book has been beautiful, hasn't it? I mean, just it's helped me out so much. And, and it's it's made me appreciate not only Ruth more, it's made me appreciate Boaz more, definitely Naomi more. It's made me appreciate all these other things because we're seeing things from everybody's point of view and how all those point of views match together in scripture. And again, I want to close, I want to close with this thought. God's plan always looks beyond when we look at this. You know, as we exercise our faith, guys, it is super easy, right? It is super easy to look at our situation. Well, you know, you look at who you are. Well, I mean, this is just we're, you know, we're we don't have the resources to do this. So this just can't happen. We're not looking beyond enough. Well, you know what? The world only says I can get this far because of how I look. So uh, I'm just going to stay here. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to sulk. I'm going to get mad. I can't do anything. I wish I can go farther. Guess what? We're not looking beyond enough. And you know what? Looking beyond, here's what's so beautiful about Christian, true Christian fellowship is you will infuse that in other people. You will either infuse fear because of the world into people into your sons, into your daughters, into the church, or what you will do, you will infuse faith into them. I know things are hard. I know it doesn't look possible. I know technically it's, I'm putting up air quotes, it's not supposed to happen, but we have God. Do we believe we have Jehovah? Do we believe that? I do. Maybe you don't, but just because you don't doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that I don't. I believe Jehovah. And the Lord can use one person. Why not use 10? Why not use 20? Why not use 100 of us? Why not use all of us? But we have to get better, and myself included. I'm pointing myself too. We got to get better at infusing that belief into people again, like Joshua and Caleb did. We can do this. If we have a humble attitude about it, if we trust God, if we hunger and thirst after him, if we're meek in all situations, if we do all these things correctly, the Lord is with us. And I don't care how bad it looks. I don't care what the world says I can or can't do. I'm looking beyond because I got something that the world can never have. I got God. Why don't we believe that anymore? I want to start believing that more. Don't you? That's different stuff, man. Man, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty wild. That's different stuff. I, I, I want to believe God more. 
And I, you know, you don't want to be afraid like the spies were. You don't want to be around people that are just telling you you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. It's too hard. Nothing, nothing for God is too hard. He just needs somebody that's willing. God needs somebody that understands the the brevity of how hard something might be, but they look beyond that. I still want you to use me. That's different, and I want to be that guy. Don't you want to be that person too? Ruth was that, Naomi was that, and Boaz was that. And I hope that as we've studied this, man, and as we've kind of gone through this, I hope this is what you want to be. And this has been such a, man, this has been ridiculous, huh? It's been such a, such a, such a good study. I've loved this with you guys, man. I've, I've enjoyed it. This has been such a great journey. Again, so today we'll complete all six parts. So we're thankful, plus the prequel, right? That, that completes everything. So again, go back and look at all this again. Study this again. Look at this again. Reach out. Again, I don't care if you listen to this a year from now. Reach out. You know, uh, send a message. Send a DM. Whatever it is, right? Because we're here to help each other. And we're, we're trying to infuse that faith that Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz had, that Joshua and Caleb had. We're trying to infuse that into us. Let's get that message of we can't and looking at things from a worldly point of view. And let's start looking at things like we actually have Jehovah on our side. So love you guys, man. Truly appreciate you guys. Um, we'll, we're going to be back uh, with another one on Monday. We'll, we'll get back rolling like we always do. Who knows? We might start another series. I don't know. Uh, but we will be back with you guys on Monday. Love you guys. Thanks, guys.